0: to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson.
1: Even though we give lip service to grace, we've largely lost sight of the grace of God. And Because, you know, if you're growing in grace and if you're filled with grace, guess how that's going to translate into your life? It's going to translate into graciousness. You're going to be gracious. You're going to give people the benefit of the doubt. You're not going to be swift to run, to judge, and to condemn, and especially before you get all of the facts, which so often people are doing these days.
0: Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Galatians. Join us as Pastor Brian concludes his teaching on Galatians, chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, in a message titled, The Life of the Age to Come. Now, here's Pastor Brian.
1: So here in all of these epistles, we find this kind of, uh, of an introduction and a salutation. Now, verse four is where we really want to focus today. So in verse four, and then, of course, five is just the ending of the fourth verse. So, who gave himself, speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. So in verse four, we see three things. Number one, the nature of Christ's death. Number two, the object of Christ's death. And number three, the origin of Christ's death. So first of all, the nature of the death of Christ. The nature of the death of Christ is primarily a sacrifice for sin. You see, Christ's death was not primarily a demonstration of God's love, though it was that. It was that for sure, but it wasn't that primarily. Why do I say that? Because once again, we're living in a time where people want to really focus on the love of God, which is good, but you can't focus on the love of God to the exclusion of the holiness of God, which means that sin has to be dealt with. And sin had to be dealt with through a sacrifice. Atonement had to be made. A life had to be given for the sins that were committed. And and once again, in our time, this is something that is unpopular. There's, like I said, there's much talk about God's love. And, And God's love is a great thing to talk about because it's true, God does love us. And he did demonstrate his love for us through the death of Christ. But we have to remember that it wasn't simply a demonstration of his love. The death of Christ was making a payment for our sins. So, the nature of the death of Christ was first and foremost a sacrifice for sin. We cannot lose sight of that. Secondly, the object was to deliver, the word can also be translated rescue, to deliver or rescue us from this present evil age. So, this is also what happened through the death of Christ, that for those who receive him, that we are rescued from this present evil age. We are, we are pulled out of it in a sense. And we'll talk more about that in a moment. But then the third thing is the origin of the death of Christ is in the will of God the Father. And again, we sometimes have confusion. People think, well, you know, Jesus, the New Testament God, he's the nice, gracious God. The Old Testament God is the, the angry God, the wrathful God. And so Jesus steps in. God really wants to destroy everybody, but Jesus steps in and talks them out of it. And he takes the, the brunt of things for us. And, uh, but, but the whole picture is that, you know, God, God the Father is a wrathful, vengeful God. But here we're told that the origin of the sacrifice of Christ is the will of God the Father. And of course this is what John 3:16 says. For God so loved the world, Jesus died as a sacrifice for sin because of God's love for the world. And the Bible is clear that the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all harmoniously working together for man's redemption. The Father planned it, the Son executed it, and the Holy Spirit applies it. And so there's no like, like we said, there's no pitting Jesus against Paul, and there's certainly no pitting God the Father against God the Son. Our salvation originated in the will of God the Father. But now we want to come back, and I want to focus today on the object of this salvation that came through the death of Christ. And as we said, it is to deliver or rescue us from this present evil age. And so, Let me quote to you from John Stott. He said, the Bible divides history into two ages, this age and the age to come. It tells us that the age to come has come already because Christ inaugurated it, although this present age has not yet finally passed away. So the two ages are running their course in parallel. They overlap one another. Christian conversion means being rescued from the old age and being transferred into the new age, the age to come. And here's the key sentence. And the Christian life is living in this present evil age, the life of the age to come. And thus the title of our message today, the life of the age to come. That's what we want to talk about because this is what Jesus came to do in delivering us from this evil age. He doesn't take us out of the world, right? We're still here. So what does it mean that he delivered us from it? Well, he has saved us. He's he's brought us to himself and he's given us the experience of the life of the age to come. We get to live that life of the age to come in this present world. And so because we are called to experience this life of the age to come, that will translate itself into us who are still living in the present evil age, living radically different than the way the rest of the world is living. And so that is going to be the the mark of those who are the followers of Christ. We're going to have a life that is distinct. It doesn't mean we're going to dress differently. It doesn't mean we're going to you know, eat different kind of food. It doesn't mean that we're necessarily going to be entertained by different things, although obviously it would apply there to some degree. But it's not those kinds of things that we're talking about. It's just, it's talking about a life that is centered in the things of the spirit, a life that has a quality beyond anything that you could ever find in this present evil age. It is the life of the age to come. And I would define the life of the age to come in this way. Living in the freedom that comes from living in the fullness of God's grace. That's the big picture point. Living in the freedom that comes from living in the fullness of God's grace. Listen, the more you understand God's grace, the more you live in God's grace, guess what? The freer you are the freer you are. And the the freer you are, the more joy you have, the more love you have, the more hope you have. All of those things come along with the freedom. And so that's why, you know, our theme for our study of Galatians is is free in Christ. We have to understand we're free in Christ. And so I want to just take a look at a few things that we are freed from. And so this will be just kind of a, a A little bit of an overview of the content of the epistle not entirely but just a few things and we'll look at all these things in much more detail as we make our way through the epistle but first of all as we're talking about living in the freedom that comes from living in the fullness of God's grace we're talking about freedom from the bondage to sin freedom from the bondage to sin sin is our enemy sin is not our friend Sin is that destructive force. Sin is that thing that is ruining life, ruining everybody's lives. And Jesus came to free us from bondage to sin. So we no longer have to live under the dominion of sin. We no longer have to live in the grip of sin that is destroying our lives. In chapter 5, verses 19 through 21, Paul lists a number of things that he says are manifestations of the flesh, he says that those who habitually practice these things will not in the end partake of the kingdom of God, but this is what he speaks of. He speaks of adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outburst of wrath, selfish ambition, dissension, heresy, envy, murder, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. So these are the kinds of things, when we're talking about sin, These are the things that Christ came to free us from these things. Every single thing in this list will destroy you. That's what it will do. It will wreck your life. It will wreck the lives of people around you. It's an offense to God, and Jesus came to set us free from bondage to these things, but also he came to set us free from the need for the world's approval. That leads to idolatry, which also leads us then into sin. You know, how often are people doing things because they're seeking the approval of their peers or they're seeking the approval of some, somebody in uh, the culture or, you know, just maybe the culture in general or whatever, and as they're seeking that approval, they're really idolizing that thing and they're, they're living out their lives based on what people think about them and they're engaging sometimes in the behavior that they're engaging in because, well, this is what the world is saying to do if you wanna be accepted and all of that. But, but Christ frees us from that because Christ gives us a, an identity in him that brings me to a place where I, I don't really have to worry about what the world thinks of me anymore. I don't have to live up to somebody else's expectation or standard. I am fulfilled and complete in Christ and and I'm delivered from that bondage that is so often placed upon me. So freedom from the bondage to sin. Secondly, there's freedom from legalism and bondage to religious rituals. Now, the interesting thing about Galatians is Galatians is more about the second point than it is about the first point. Even though it's referenced, the first point is referenced, the, the majority of the epistle to the Galatians is not really dealing with the sins of the flesh so much as we would think of them, like Paul just listed them there, but the, the majority of Galatians is dealing with, with sins that manifest themselves in religious ritual and legalism. Now, sometimes it's even hard for us to conceive that that is sin, But this is the very thing that Paul was fighting against. These Judaizers didn't come into town and say, hey, you guys, Paul's wrong. You can fornicate all you want. Paul's wrong. You can go out and drink as much as you want. You know, don't listen to what Paul said. No, they came in and said, Paul's wrong. Jesus isn't enough. The gospel isn't enough. God's grace isn't enough. You need to be more religious. That's what they said. And that's what Paul was fighting against. And for us, that's sometimes almost like, it's like our brains can't even go there because we sometimes think just like they did. We think, well, of course, God wants me to be more religious. And so we end up finding ourselves in bondage to legalism and in bondage to religious ritual. And so Paul says to the Galatians in 4, 9 and 10, he says, but now after you have known God or rather are known by him, how is it that you turn again to the weak and beggarly elements to which you desire again to be in bondage? You observe days and months and seasons and years. What's the matter with you? That's what he's saying. Then he goes on, he says, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free and do not be entangled again in a yoke of bondage. And the yoke of bondage that he's talking about there is bondage to religious, ritual, and legalistic, Ideas about things. And so we will inevitably talk much about that in our study because this is pretty much the primary issue. And even though but this is a very common thing. Even though we might be part of a church that emphasizes grace or part of a movement that emphasizes grace or, or we believe in our heads about the grace of God, it's easy, it's one of the easiest things in the world to drift into legalism. And drifting into legalism, you know what that looks like? It, it really comes down to we start adding to what God said. And we start putting up a standard of righteousness that exceeds the standard that God put up. And then inevitably, we start judging everybody by that standard. That's exactly what the Pharisees did. The Pharisees put up a higher standard than God had put up. And then they judged everybody that didn't live up to their standard. And we sometimes can do the same thing. So our study of Galatians will bring us through our growing in grace, it'll bring us freedom from legalism and bondage to religious ritual. And then there's also freedom from racial and cultural division. As we study through this book, we're going to see that those were some of the problems. There was racial conflict in the church in Galatia because there was this idea among the Jews that they, they kind of had a superiority complex, They thought they were better than the Gentiles. And that brought division. And then there was a cultural division. There was the, again, the Hebrew culture that that saw itself as superior to the Hellenistic culture. And so you had this racial and cultural division that developed there. But Paul says in chapter 3, verse 28 of Galatians, he says, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And you see, when we grow in God's grace, all of those things that would naturally perhaps divide us, all of those things are done away with. And racial issues and cultural things, they're no longer the thing. We, we don't let that get in the way of, of love and of fellowship and, and those things. We allow for cultural distinctions, obviously, but we, we don't make a big deal over them. And of course, the racial thing, we just blow that completely out of the water because there's not any basis for any division regarding that whatsoever. So freedom from racial and cultural division and then... Fourthly, freedom from judgmentalism and a critical spirit. Listen, there is so much judgmentalism in the church today and, and such a critical spirit. It is unbelievable. It is, it, it's just, you know, but, but here's what it says. It says we have a bunch of immature Christians Because you know what, the more you grow in grace, the less judgmental and critical you become. That's the reality. And again, Paul addresses that to the Galatians. He said, For you, brethren, have been called to freedom. Only do not use freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For all the laws fulfilled in one word, even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. Paul is describing here what happens when people develop a judgmental and a hypercritical spirit? You bite and devour and consume one another. And you know, it's almost like in, in the body of Christ today, you can see this biting and devouring and, and consuming. And it really is uh, quite astounding how much vitriol there is from Christians toward other Christians who, you know, maybe there's a disagreement. Has anybody ever heard of the idea of agreeing to disagree agreeably? (laughs) When it comes to non-essential things, I'm not talking about essentials of the faith, but when it comes to non-essentials, you know, people are going to see things a little bit differently. And we, we need to be gracious toward one another and not hateful and, you know, but it is. It's just crazy, but like I said, to me, it's just indicative of the fact that we, even though we give lip service to grace, we've largely lost sight of the grace of God, and because, you know, if you're growing in grace, and if you're filled with grace, guess how that's going to translate into your life? It's going to translate into graciousness. You're going to be gracious. You're going to give people the benefit of the doubt. You're not going to be swift to run, to judge, and to condemn, and so forth, especially before you get all of the facts, which so often people are doing these days, so. And then fifthly and finally, and as we're talking about here, living in the freedom that comes from living in the fullness of God's grace, there's the freedom in the spirit to walk in love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. So the Galatians, here they are. Paul comes to town, he brings the gospel. These people are Gentiles, they're heathens, they're idol worshipers, and they hear this great news of God's love and mercy and grace through Jesus who died for their sins, and Paul says, you just need to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved, and they all embrace that, and it was glorious, it was wonderful, it was amazing. And they had this experience of joy and they had this experience of love and they had this experience of of unity and and hope and all of those things. And then what happened? False teaching comes to town. False teachers come to town. False teaching sets in and they become hyper-religious and hyper-critical and judgmental and pretty soon it's all ruined. Paul says, you know, what happened to you? And, and at one point, he says, who bewitched you? Who cast a spell on you? And, and, you know, his own personal experience, he says, there was a time when you, your love for me was so strong. Here in Galatians, he says, you would have plucked out your own eyes and give them to me. This is where we get the idea that Paul had an eye disease. They said, there's, Paul said, there was a time when you would have plucked out your own eyes and given them to me. What happened? How did everything change? You see, they went from loving Paul and appreciating Paul and, oh, Paul's our father in the faith and he brought us to the gospel to questioning Paul's apostleship, to questioning his doctrine. They came to a place where they felt like, well, Paul just, he doesn't really know. We know, we know the truth. They became lifted up with pride. And, and it just, it ruined everything. Grace changes everything for the good. Legalism ruins everything. That, that's, that's really what it does. It'll ruin your life. It'll ruin your experience. And it'll really just make your environment miserable. Because you're just judging everybody and you're critical of everything. And, you know, it's like, it's like a disease. And we've got to resist that. And, and the, the antidote to the disease is Grace. We've gotta grow in God's grace. And that's what we're gonna do as we go through Galatians. So we're rescued by the death of Christ from this present evil age so we can go on, move forward, live the life of the age to come, life in the fullness of God's grace. That's what we're talking about. And listen, we wanna see a great work of God's spirit. We wanna see, we talk about a revival, an outpouring of the spirit of God. And you know what that really is? That is an outpouring of God's grace. And it's a revolutionary thing. You know, grace is so revolutionary because it it sweeps through a culture, it sweeps through a community, and it brings in all kinds of people that quite often the religious people would never give the time of day to or let in the door of their churches. That's happened over and over. It didn't just happen in the 60s here. It's happened over and over again in the history of the church. It's an outpouring of God's grace. And quite often, it's too radical for religious people. They can't handle it. Wait, no, God can't save people like that. It just, just doesn't you know, fit with our theology. But God does save people. And then sometimes it's, it's like, well, you know, God hasn't saved them enough for me. I'm not comfortable yet with them. You know? they, they need to be more saved than they are. Because grace doesn't only save us, it sanctifies us. And because it's grace... It's patient with our sanctification process, but a lot of times we're not patient with the sanctification process. We want to see people sanctified overnight, of course, as long as it's not us, but we want everybody else to be sanctified overnight, right? We want to give room for our own little pet sins, but we don't really want there to be any patience or or grace extended to other people's issues. So Galatians is revolutionary because it's about the gospel of grace. And I trust that God's gonna use this epistle in our lives to renew us in his grace. And of course, as that happens to us personally, it's going to affect us collectively and it's gonna be a great thing all the way around.
0: For the month of April, Back to Basics Radio is offering a timely resource titled One Minute Answers to Skeptics by Charlie Campbell Has a skeptic in your life ever stumped you with questions regarding God Social ethics or supposed contradictions in the Bible Well with this book One Minute Answers to Skeptics Concise Responses to the Top 50 Objections and Questions by Charlie Campbell You can be equipped to address the questions of skeptics on those exact topics and many others If you want to be equipped to always be ready to give a defense of the faith, we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com. And when you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you this book as our way to say thank you. We do appreciate your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you,